You're listening to Outlaws and Gunslingers, the only podcast covering all of America's infamous criminals, from the Wild West to the Mafia, all the way up to the ruthless street gangs of today. Brought to you exclusively by the Creative Control Network. Here are your hosts, the Mouthy Michiganders, Bang and Dang. We're back. We're back Another in the saddle again. New yes, we're back. Edition. Back in the saddle again. That's <laughs> actually not, not that bad. Back. I can't do it. My voice is so crackly right now. <laughs> That's good. That was a good one. That was a good one. We're back. Oh, that was the gunslingers. And we are finally back for a town. Mm. It's been a long time since we focused on something that was a town. It's also been a long time since we uh, focused on the Old West, which was popular for towns as well as you don't really hear. What are we doing? I mean, besides Chicago or Wait, New York. We're not what are we do doing? A history of Chicago or New York, right? It'd be way too long. That'd be like a, that'd be a 10-part series. What would be? The uh, town. What town? The towns. If we're doing a town, if we're doing a series about Chicago, it'd be like a 10-series episode, all the crap that went down there. I don't think it would. Uh, at least three. Should we start doing that? No. Hot Springs, Arkansas is the focus right. of this one as uh, we go back to uh, to, to not get distracted by a stupid no. conversation. <laughs> yeah, this one's all about Hot Springs, Arkansas. Hot members, Springs. of course, uh, any land here in the United States, I guess. Uh, members of many Native American tribes had been gathering in the valley for an untold number of years to enjoy the healing properties of the thermal springs that hot springs had to offer. It's not even hot springs at this point. Right. They're just like, the Indians are like, water, hot. You know? Right. I'm sorry for the um, cultural appropriation there, guys. Uh, in 1673, Father Marquette well, and a natural A natural water source is a spring, isn't it not? This is a thermal spring, which means they're hot. Right. So it's like a natural hot. Yeah, tub. they have those in Arkansas. Yeah, man, they have them everywhere. Mm, I thought they're look mostly. Up, I thought they're mostly like in a desert. No, if you look up, they're all over. Colorado has them, and Arkansas is not too far from us, so we can no. easily go here. Arkansas is pretty close. Yep. In 1673, Father Marquette and Joliet explored the area and claimed it for France. Hey, it's like, 17, this is French. This is French. The 1763 in Arkansas. Wow. <laughs> That's a long way for a Frenchman to uh, travel. I mean, it's not really. They were already out there in that way by, well, I mean, in 1673. I don't know what the French were making it that far into that. Father the, uh, Marquette. Is he the same guy that uh, came through and. Well, the, the French were coming down from the north, from Michigan say, and Wisconsin that, and all his, that. So. Is he the same one that went through and founded the it. UP? I think so, Marquette. Yep, I bet. Uh, either or, yeah. They came in from France in uh, 1673 and then the 1763. No. Hundred years Tree, later, ninety years oh, later, ninety years later, like, <laughs> yeah. I got all these numbers yeah, they are exactly the same. Seventy, I know. There's the, the same numbers, just different. If I was like dyslexic or something like that, they'd right. screw with me. Seventeen sixty three right. Treaty of Paris ceded the land to Spain. However, however, in eighteen hundred, control was returned to France until the Louisiana Purchase of eighteen oh three. I knew that. I guess I knew that. Everybody knew that. Right. We all learned it. Well, it was eighteen oh four, the month of December. Dr. George Hunter and William Dunbar made an expedition to the springs, finding a lone log cabin. Okay. A few rudimentary shelters used by people visiting the springs for their healing properties. They're like, this place will heal you up. Sore so back. It's this amazing place with all right. these thermal springs and thermal spots. And it's known for, right. at least to some people, for healing properties so right now. But it's just... 
Very oh, few just, people know about it. And you soak in it. It's like a hot tub. That's why they made hot tubs. All right. But a lone log cabin? All right. Around nobody, something like this? Nobody knew about it. All right. 1807, a man named Prudhomme. Prudhomme? Uh, Prudhomme. I think it's Prudhomme. Prud? Prudhomme. Prudhomme? P-R-U-D-H-O-M-M-E. Prudhomme? Prudhomme. Prudhomme. Anyhow, he became the first settler of modern hot springs as we know it today. All right. And he was soon joined by John Percival and Isaac Cates. Okay, well, in 1818, on August 24th, the Kuapaw, Kapal, and Native Americans ceded the land around the hot springs to the United States in a treaty. After Arkansas became its own territory in 1819, the Arkansas Territorial Legislator requested that in 19, or 1820 the springs and the adjoining mountains be set aside as a federal reservation. Okay, so we're getting a federal reservation already. Uh, well, 12 years later, in 1832, the Hot Springs Reservation was created by the United States Congress, granting federal protection of the thermal waters. Really? So the United States government swooped in and was like, uh, these thermal waters are awesome, like, and now they're minute. we're going to designate them as a federal thing so the United States government has hey. control of them and not... Right. Um, uh, Arkansas. There was somebody that was uh, a high-ranking United States official that found that came here and was like, "We got to own this." Mm-hmm. <laughs> Take like this we're back. making right. the federal government is making all the money off of what is sure to be a a hot spot once mm-hmm. we spread the word around about it, right? Well, right. the reservation was uh, eventually renamed to Hot Springs National Park in 1921, which it remains to this day. Hot Springs National Park, huh? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Now here comes the. Uh, this is what you guys came for. We had to give you a background of the right, city. Right. Background city. Well, just as any city in the Midwest, southern, uh, south, would it be southwest? Really? No. Just be. Southwest is Arizona and South New middle, Mexico. South middle. South middle. Was that like Missouri and Oklahoma? I think that's just the south, Texas. right? Texas. That's just the south. Not Oklahoma and all that, right? The south? That's not the south, though. That's no, the mid- south is, when I hear the word south, I think of uh, Alabama and Georgia and uh, South Carolina. Texas. Yeah, I don't think that's Missouri, Texas. Missouri, Louisiana. Texas, I think, is Texas. Texas, right. <laughs> I mean, but it's in the south. Obviously, you southerners. Yeah, Louisiana, I'll put in there. But Arkansas and... Uh, Arkansas like, is not the south to me. Arkansas is the... I don't, know, I don't know why I'm saying Arkansas. <laughs> Arkansas is, I don't know, it's just, Missouri. It's just the... Missouri's right there. kind of like Midwest-ish. I mean, not Missouri, Iowa. Midwest-ish, mid, mid-southwest, right? Whatever. Cool. Whatever happens in any <laughs> city, anywhere, right. you know what comes up? Illegal gambling. Yes, sir. Well, it first occurred in the city as early as the mid-1800s. Yeah. Following the Civil War was firmly established. Oh, yeah. By the late 1870s, gambling had become an industry that rivaled the healing waters of hot springs. Oh, the, mm, we're going to go there for gambling. As not only am I going to go there to gamble, I'm also going to relax in the hot right. springs. I could win money, and dirty sex with whores. Win, um, win valuable. soak their Win valuable health points from uh, the healing water. Well, yeah, but yeah. it's natural, so it's always free moving, I would assume. Right, it's a spring. Right. So... It's not, can't be infested. Well. That water's always moving, and it's hot. Germs don't uh, grow after certain, whatever the temperature of the water is. What would it be? 100? 100 and something? That hot spring is probably, what? What the hot tubs usually have, about 100 degrees? I would say 100 degrees is like almost too much in a right, hot tub. Right. Flat, well, right. it's right now, currently in Hot Springs, Arkansas, it's 84 <laughs> degrees. <Yeah>. Air temperature. <laughs> 
Oh, hey, here it these is. springs maintain. How hot are there springs? These springs maintain an average water temperature of 143 degrees Ooh. Fahrenheit. Known as the American Spa Hot Springs National Park is 47. All right, now type they're, in how hot is a spa? How hot is the water in the spa? There are 47 natural hot springs mm. in the state alone. Type in how hot is a, a jacuzzi? 100, 102, wow, 104 so is the standard maximum temperature. That's not even hot. Then you, you're jumping Dude, in. You're getting into these hot springs and you're almost boiling. All right, what's that? What is, it's 110 too hot for a hot tub. What's that say? Strongly advised against home spa water exceeding 104 degrees. Dangerous. 110. 110 degrees, uh, a spa can be dangerous to your life. Oh, so I definitely ain't getting milk in spring. That's 143 degrees. <laughs> Boiling is what? 212. 212. Yeah, you're only a few you're, degrees, pretty much. You're closer to 212 than you are to zero, put it that way. And there's, there's no way that there's an average. Uh, people are getting in these at 143 degrees Fahrenheit, dude. No, I don't think so. There's no way. Hot Springs, Arkansas, known as the American Spa, is home to 47 natural hot springs. These springs maintain an average water temperature of 143 degrees Fahrenheit. Many are evenly, are, are even easily accessible from the park's main scenic road. Good for them. I think the naturally they, high temperatures of the spring water make the water unsafe for bathing. Right. So think twice before you dip your toes in. Fortunately, there are other options at the park that makes it possible to submerge yourself in the therapeutic water. Sections they probably siphoned off from the... They had to. There's no way these natural springs, people, there's sections that are suitable. Yeah. So they go to the ones, they find sections of these sections of these springs that are. Actually not that hot. That, yeah. The they, average temperature right. is 143, which means in the, there's. In a, the hot spots. Right. That means there's a lot of hot well, spots that's over that. Well, Someone's like boiling. So I'm sure they drift off and down the line, there's a right. perfect spot you can go and chill and at front, 100 degrees or whatever. And they're not as good as the ones with the hottest. Well, well I wish this water was a little bit cooler. Okay, so. That's a lot. That's a hot. Uh, that's a hot spring. <laughs> that is a hot spring. So kitten. Yeah, but it makes sense that they would have other places down from the hot spots to right. do that. Like, that's that's going to be a little bit cooler. Way too intense for people to be sitting, and you have like a you, your heart would start. Uh, you die acting up, dude. Your stuff would start cooking. Mm-hmm. Slow boil. Moving on. Anyway, during this time, a Canadian gambler named Frank Flynn. He arrived in Hot Springs and by early 1880s was in control of the gambling operations. Oh, look at Frank Flynn coming in there. These are my gambling operations now. You guys guess what? I only, not only control the gambling operations, <laughs> but I own many. Oh, your women? Many, many brothels. Mm-hmm. Well, by paying law enforcement officers of the police department and sheriff's office, he prevented any intervention into his illegal activities. Uh-uh. Flynn, most often called boss gambler hey. either owned or controlled seven gambling houses wow. and any who dared to enter hot springs and attempt to open up a rival gambling house were dealt with by the police Whoa! so he had yeah nice this is my town this is my town okay supposedly there's a picture of a palace in hot springs so i wonder if it's still there today mm, maybe mm. Wow. it's a paint it's not even a picture it's a painting it's a painting one man who dared to do so was a gambling entrepreneur from illinois his name was Jim Lane. Jim Lane. Jimmy Lane. It's, uh, it's Jeff's like great, <laughs> great uncle or something like that. It could be, right? Uh, who arrived in about 1880. Lane soon opened up two high-end gambling halls. Uh-oh. The Palace, the Palace, which I just mentioned, and the Monarch. Okay. 
Lane refused to align with Flynn or pay a percentage to him for the right to operate his business. Oh. He's like, I'm sorry. I'm just going to open up these here and just leave me alone. Mm-hmm. In response, Flynn was like, yeah, I don't think so. Well, I'm not leaving you alone is what I'm not going to right. do. Right, and he got several other guys, and they attacked and wrecked the Palace Casino. Oh, you bastard. During the attack, one of Lane's dealers killed one of Flynn's thugs. Oh. Afterward... Lane fled Hot Springs and made his way to Nolens. Oh, so they they eventually drew him out of town, though. Right. Probably took over his establishment, He was like, too. yeah, this ain't easy. I thought he was it was. like, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> Bye. By, by the summer of 1882, many people were tired of illegal gambling and some of the shady elements it brought to the city. Tell that to uh, mm-hmm. Tombstone. Dodge. Las Vegas. New Mexico. Yeah. And all those other cities over there mm-hmm. in, the, in the southwest. Right. Yeah. Except for the problem is there's no mining or anything here. Right. That's just there's a hot, spring hot springs. That is never that is right. That's one uh, element and that's not gonna an endless supply. Right. One of these people was Charles Matthews that came there, that where he was tired of it. The editor of the Hot Springs Daily Hornet. That's too long of a name. Right. Why couldn't it just be the Hot Springs Daily Paper? The hot Hot or Springs. The same thing. Tribune. Hot or Springs. Right. Tribune. Hot Springs Paper. Hot Springs Today. Something. Daily right. Hornet. Who what well, he raged against gambling and Mayor Tia Flynn. The is there a school is there a school called the Hot Spring Hornets? I don't think there's a school. Well I'm sure nowadays are. The schools didn't have mascots back in those days. Yeah, I'm saying now. Are they called the Hornets? I don't know. You would Hot Springs Hornets? I would. That's something for people to look up. <laughs> well, he raged against gambling and Mayor T.F. Lind for doing nothing to stop it. Did she nothing. Says you're doing Charles nothing. Matthews was mad. He was like, What is going to on? Stop it. You guys are doing nothing to stop it. Right. And the mayor and uh, the sheriff was like, well, you see. And that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's, uh, that's all he said. You see. You <laughs> see. It. Well, shortly afterward, Mayor Lynn, who was also served as a judge at this time, was so angered, I guess, so mad, that he met Matthews on the street. He's like, I'm going to meet this guy. Where is he at? Oh, He's geez. walking down the street. He pulled out his pistol and began firing. Oh, no. When the smoke cleared, this Lynn. This is the judge and the mayor. Right. This the, is the mayor doing this, by the way, guys. Crazy. When the smoke cleared, Lynn had shot and wounded Matthews three times, as well as wounding a peddler and a city councilman who oh, were in the geez. line of fire. Amazingly, though, <laughs> the mayor was neither charged nor removed from office. Obviously, you got a picture here of Samuel Ford, Fordis, 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 Fordis. Uh, <laughs> the mayor over here getting away with murder. Right, he's coming Attempted murder, damn near. He's firing away. It's crazy. Whenever well, the newspaper editor recovered from his wounds, he renewed his attacks on illegal gambling and the mayor. Good for him. Right. He ain't backing down. As well mm. as on several other prominent men involved in the gambling business. Mm. Two of these citizens included the wealthy and powerful Samuel think, L. Fordyce. You think his name went from Charles to Chuck after that? Right. That's, that's something. Chuck. You, you, your name gets changed to Chuck. Chuck, Chuck did that. Or at the very least, Charlie. Mm. Chucky. <laughs> Chuckles. <laughs> <laughs> Samuel L. Fordyce and his partner D.C. Rugg was two of these citizens that uh, are prominent in the gambling business. And they own an interest in the Arlington Hotel and its gambling club. So uh, the news- newspaper guy recovers. He's like, uh, guess what? You think right. there was a little three shots to me? Three shots, you couldn't stop me. Now I'm back to mm-hmm. set the record straight mm-hmm. with my newspaper. I'm still the journalist they love to hate. Mother- I hit him up. <laughs> right. And His then. article implied that the two men <laughs> were in cahoots. Cahoots. With none other than, you guessed yes, it. Yes, sir. Boss gambler Frank Flynn himself. Mm-hmm. And labeled the trio the Arlington Gang. Dang, doesn't it suck to be labeled? Right. <laughs> 
After this appeared in the newspaper, Samuel Fordyce approached Matthews on Central Avenue and struck the newspaper man with his cane. He's old yep. man. He's getting easy angry. And then pulling his pistol, Matthews fired, but missed. Uh, DC Rugg then pulled his gun, and Matthews fired again, hitting Rugg in the leg. Dang, we got an old-fashioned uh, right, dude. We got a newspaper journalist guy having gunfights with the most prominent gamblers in the freaking city, dude. What? Well, in this the is heck? the 1880s, though. So right, but I mean, still, I mean, it's expected. Not with a newspaper journalist. We're, we're yeah, we just been so stuck in the 30s lately. It's true. We forgot about the wild right. west. Forgot about our roots, man. Right. <laughs> well, Matthews, who was wounded, was able to retreat down the street, but was followed by... <laughs> he, was, he was followed by Frank Flynn. Jeez, wow. Frank Flynn, the third of the uh, Arlington gang, right. who fired a final shot at Matthews, killing the editor. Oh, no. Oh, jeez. Fordyce, Flynn, and Rugg were all charged with manslaughter. Oh, no. In the Is end... Manslaughter? They slaughtered a man. No. In the end, well... Not murder? I guess not. In the end, Flynn and Rugg were acquitted while Fordyce was fined $200 for starting the conflict when he attacked Matthews with this cane. Flynn so got charged 200 bucks. They all were acquitted, basically. Fordyce had paid 200 bucks. Wow. 1883. It's wintertime. A new player came to they town. They can almost see my breath. Right. They can see their breath because it's wintertime. A new player came to town. Former Confederate Major S.A. Duran. Uh-oh. Is he on the good guys? Right. Duran met. He is. We don't know. Duran met with uh, Jim Lane in New Orleans, who had been run out of hot oh, springs. Oh, look at Jim Lane making moves behind the scene. He sends in he's, this Confederate Major. Right. He's like, you go up there. And they tell him what he right. did. They're drinking in a bar. He's like, watch he's this. Like, I'll they, go up there. They took my casino. It's called the Palace. He was like, they did what to you, Jim they Lane? what to you? Who did that? Frank Flynn. Remember that name? This dude's still salty about losing the war. Right. So he's on the he's he's like, I'm going to I'm gonna get justice one right. way or another. So if you're ever up in hot springs, remember Frank Flynn is not your friend. Mm-hmm. Well, whether Duran decided to avenge his friend or simply he liked a good fight, he decided to go to Hot Springs and challenge the gambling kingpin. <laughs> he had like, nothing else to do. Hmm, he had nothing like, else to do. He's like, All right, that sounds like a that fun time. Like fun. Well, upon his arrival, he reopened the parlor. Well, upon his uh, <clears throat> well, upon his arrival, he reopened the Palace Casino. Okay, refused to join Flynn, just as uh, Lane did, and all attempts at intimidate him were ineffective. ineffective. He's like, guess what? You know, my buddy, you get ran out here last time. That's not me. They ain't gonna work with me. Mm-mm. Well, well, there's a picture here with the gunfight. <laughs> <laughs> well, the first. Uh, violence occurred when Flynn challenged Duran to a duel not long after his arrival, which resulted in Flynn being shot once in the chest. Oh, no. But not fatally. What is going on in this oh, freaking town? Oh, no. They're just shooting everybody. Everybody. Afterward. Inaccurately. <laughs> right. Obviously. <laughs> afterward, there were no other clashes between the two factions, with each man being murdered on... What? Oh. Afterward, there were other clashes between the two factions, with men being murdered on each side. Wow. During this violent time, Duran killed 10 men before Whoa. he himself was killed in 1888. Okay. Afterward, Flynn continued to control the gambling operations and used the city police department to collect his debts wow. and to force the competition to leave town. So it took him a while, but so, they got I mean, him out of there. Eventually, they got him out of there, but right. this Duran guy put up a hell of a fight, didn't he? Right. Well, mm-hmm. well, he might well. not be done. He might not be done fighting from his okay. grave. Though Duran was dead, the feud continued into the 1890s with the Hot Springs Police and the Garland County Sheriff's Department. What is this? The precursor to super troopers? Right. <laughs> oh, jeez. In the middle, uh, yeah, those two departments were fighting. Yes. Uh, the two factions clashed over which law enforcement agency would control <laughs> illegal gambling activities. <laughs> uh, 
Oh no! In Hot Springs, you even have the freaking the, the the police departments, and they're also worried about the profits in the form of graft and kickbacks. Oh jeez! So this led to Hot Springs gunfight, the Hot Springs gunfight between the two groups on March sixteenth, eighteen eighty. Wait, wait, wait! We had a gunfight between two police. Oh, two police. Two police <laughs> organizations had a gunfight. Man, what in the world is no. up with that? No, uh, the two groups that occurred on sixteenth uh, of March, eighteen ninety nine. Oh, and about that gunfight on the morning of March sixteenth, eighteen ninety nine, a meeting of independent party members took place at Hot Springs City Hall. Mayoral, ma- may- mayoral candidate, mayoral, 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 mayoral. <laughs> candidate C.W. Fry and several police officers were present, indicating that Toller now supported Fry for the upcoming election. Okay. After the meeting concluded, someone whose identity was never known met with Sheriff Bob Williams, informing him of everything said during the meeting. Mm. Williams stormed from his office and went downtown, where he happened to meet his friend Dave Young, who worked occasionally as a deputy. The two men entered the Klondike Saloon, where they discussed the earlier meeting at around 1.30 p.m. Okay, so we got a uh, uh- Pretty angry fella. Yeah, we're, uh, they're like, what are we going to do about this guy? What are we going to do? We can't just let this happen. Right. They're going to ruin everything that I worked for. So I'm the sheriff. Right. Damn it. What are these locals? Locals. These local these yokels. Lo- <laughs> these locals are local. Meanwhile, Hot Springs Police Sergeant Tom Gosley was eating at the uh, Corinne Remington Cafe. After finishing his meal, Gosley went to Toby and uh, York's Barbershop at 614 Central Avenue, and you know why he went there? Because he wanted a soda. <laughs> the old, the old famous barbershop sh- sodas, sodas. <laughs> right. Well, he obviously he went there to get his haircut. Uh, he had left his forty-four caliber revolver in why his desk. What kind of police sergeant doesn't carry? Right. Especially in eighteen ninety-nine. But had with him a two-shot oh. Derringer. Oh, okay. Two I mean, shots though. I mean, that's all you're gonna really need, mm. right? Uh, Williams and Young left the Klondike Saloon, heading oh, to the corner of the Spring Street. Where they saw Gosley leaving the barbershop, so he just got his fro done. And he's like nice, and he's feeling good. He's got done. Uh, well, he's got done eating. I'm sure he had like a nice little hot shave, you hot know, shave. towel, hot towel wrapped around him. He got guy, a nice little shave. The guy's and, feeling good at about right. one o'clock in the afternoon. He's like, I look good, baby. Well, meanwhile, Sheriff Williams called out to Gosley from across the street, and Gosley crossed over to meet with the pair. He's like, hey, so they're all right. You know, nothing's going on now. What's going on, Sheriff? Then Gosley held out his hand to greet Williams, who ignored it, and instead gave him a piece of paper containing the names of the men present during the political meeting. Uh Williams then said, in part, I want to know what you mean by working against me. Uh Uh-oh. Gosley's like, hey, man, I don't deny anything. And he responded calmly, then began to defend Chief Toller. Williams called Gosley a liar and a coward and began to yell at him. Oh, Uh-oh. so, so now they're making here. a scene in the middle of the street, right. and I'm sure there's crowds gathering at this time. Oh, man. When it appeared Williams was reaching for something under his coat, Gosley quickly drew his derringer, saying, I want no trouble with you, as you are the sheriff of this county, but I will defend myself if forced to. Mm-hmm. Young then stepped between both men, placing a hand on each shoulder, saying, Boys, boys. This would not do. <laughs> Young would re- uh, Young would later tell a friend he believed Gosley would have killed Williams had he not stepped in. Of course he's he like, that boy was going to go, well, I mean. This is my town. What year was this? 1899. Oh, damn, damn right. And it's my town. Right. You know, you are just you might be the sheriff of the county, but this is my town, son. Right. Coming here thinking you're hot shit. Well, Sheriff Williams opened his coat to show Gosley that he was not armed and continued to yell at him, though. He's like, no, I'm not armed. Can I continue to yell? Yeah. He's like, all right. Go ahead. <laughs> Williams then saw his son, Johnny, who worked part-time at a, as a deputy, walking out of the City Hall saloon. 
Sheriff Williams walked up to greet him. According to witnesses, Johnny passed his father a 44 caliber revolver, uh, then took another from a friend for himself. Uh, Sheriff Williams then opened fire on Gosley, who returned fire with his two shot. Oh, geez. His shots expended. Gosley then retreated under fire from both Sheriff Williams and his son. That's ridiculous. Oh, geez. Unscathed, Gosley escaped down an alley to the Sumter House, the Sumter House, uh, where he remained until Chief Toller. And another officer arrived to escort him to the city hall. Mm. So, okay, here. Oh, you got the sheriffs over here yeah. making the uh, police guy run down the alleys and fend for himself. Then you got police chief Toller shows up. And what are they going to do? And another officer, yeah. That's, so, so it was Chief Toller and another officer escorted Gosley who to was the city a hall. Sergeant? To it was a sergeant. Mm-hmm. Okay. Toller notified prosecutor David Cloud. Who, after taking statements from witnesses and the two men, issued a warrant for the arrest of Sheriff Williams. Damn right. 14 shots had been fired during the exchange, but no one had been hurt. What? The crappiest sheriff shooting. I mean, these guys don't take gun lessons at all. Right. Toller suggested that Gosling meet with Johnny Williams to try to patch things up. <laughs> yeah, let's meet with him when he just tried to kill him. Right. He's like, you guys got to meet together before the situation gets worse. Toller's. Uh, and told her himself, he said, uh, I'm going to meet with Sheriff Williams as well. We're going to hash this thing out, man. Can't have, we can't have the people that are supposed to uphold the law, breaking the law, and right. trying to kill each other. Shooting I mean, what the hell are you guys what? doing? Over what? Over guys, what? Come on. Well, well, like, we want the profits. No, we want the profits. Right. Mm. Well, then Toller then called a private meeting at his home asking Gosley, C.W. Fry, Captain Lee Haley, Arlington Hotel owner Samuel H. Stitt, and property owner George M. French to attend. So basically, this is like a Deadwood meeting with uh, right. everybody gets together and, like, <laughs> we're going to settle it. With Bullock and, uh, and Swearingen right. and uh, the Merrick. The and, Merrick and all. Yeah, I right. like it. I dig it. Right. And that meeting, they discussed how to best lessen tensions between the two police agencies. Well, Toller then contacted Sheriff Williams to arrange a meeting at 5.30 p.m., which Williams agreed to, but said it had to be short as his daughter Florence was having her 21st birthday party. She was like, he's like, we're about to get wasted tonight. I I mean, that doesn't matter. Was their drinking age in 1899? I don't think so. But, uh, so they're open for it. Is he, though? I don't think Sheriff Williams is really open for it if he's like, hey, man, it's only got to be like really quick. How can you hash things out in right. time? Uh, how do you hash? How do you hash? Right. <laughs> <laughs> how do you hash literally? Well, how do you hash literally trying to freaking murder somebody right. in, in, in like five minutes? Like, all right, man, right. I didn't mean but to. I, gotta, I didn't get you. Stop crying about it. I didn't even hit you. <laughs> Jeez, Toller. Jeez. Or Gosling. Jeez. Right. <laughs> Sheriff Williams learned after his conversation with Chief Toller that his son Johnny was scheduled to meet with Sergeant Gosley. Oh, okay. Johnny's the one that passed him the gun. Right. So, really, it's his son who's got the problem right. here. Williams then contacted his brother, Coffee. Coffee, huh? Coffee Williams. Nice. To accompany Johnny to that meeting. Mm, I'm just afraid they're going to set him up or something. Huh? Right. Well, around 5 p.m. on that same day, Captain Haley and Sergeant Gosley walked down Central Avenue meeting Johnny Williams, Coffee Williams, and Deputy Ed Spear in front of the Oliver and Finney grocery store. Okay. They greeted one another cordially, even jokingly, uh. with Johnny Williams commenting that he wanted everyone to be his friend. Right. I just want everybody to be friend. <laughs> I just why can't we all just get along? <laughs> yeah. Chief Toller and Captain Haley went to Lemp's Beer Depot, where Haley's brother-in-law, Louis Hinkle, was the bartender. Mm. It was here that they were to meet Sheriff Williams. Well, Coffee Williams and Ed Spear soon joined them in the bar. It was after this that the encounter began to take a turn from bad to worse. Uh-oh. Oh. And still no Gosley? Uh, yeah, he's still with uh, son Johnny. Right. Johnny's son. Uh, what's his name? 
Johnny. Yeah, what's his son? His name? Johnny is the son. Bob. Bob Williams. Johnny's the son. Gosley's still uh, meeting with Johnny at this point. Yeah, but Johnny's here. No. And he says right there. No. Coffee and, Williams. Coffee and Ed Spear joined Sheriff Williams and um, Chief Toller at the bar. But meanwhile, Johnny and Gosley are still together. Oh, Johnny Williams is right there. Coming on that he wants everybody to love him. Johnny Coffee and Deputy Ed Spear met with Gosley in front of the grocery store. And then Chief Toller and Captain Haley went to Lemp's, where Haley's brother-in-law, Lewis Hinkle, was bartender. It was here that they were meet Sheriff Williams. Coffee Williams and okay. Ed Spear joined yeah, them yeah, in the bar. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Johnny and Gosley are still presumably together at this point. Right. Okay. And then a situation went from bad to worse. It sure did. Hmm. hmm. Well, Haley told Spear, Ed, I understand you have told people that if I put my head out, you're going to shoot it off. Oh. Spear seemed stunned for a moment. He replied, anyone who said that was lying. You liar. Whoever said that is a lying yellow, yellow belly. belly liar. Yellow belly liar, right? Huh. I don't think that's a lie. He's a lying dog, oh, right? Did they say lie? Like that? Lying dog, yeah. You lying you dog. lying dog. He said that anyone who said that was lying. Liar, you lying dog. Right. right. <laughs> uh, Lewis Hinkle, uh -huh. standing behind the bar, became enraged. Oh, no. He's like, don't you make me out to be a liar. <laughs> we didn't even know it was Lewis Hinkle that said anything. Right. And that's what he told Spear. He yelled at everybody's looking at the bartender so, like, dang, <laughs> Lewis. All Spear said, whoever said that was a liar. And Lewis is like, don't you call me a liar. <laughs> like, <laughs> jeez. Oh, jeez. Um, no, Toller's no. like, dude, shut up. Right. I didn't even know it was you. Right. God. Just then, with one swift motion, he grabbed Spear around the neck. Whoa. Oh, jeez. Man, he was angry. Oh, jeez. Pulled out his knife, sliced Spear's throat. <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. Spear struggled to get himself free and stopped the bleeding. He's like, oh, no. Haley said to Hinkle, for God's sake, stop. Well, he did. He, oh, well, he stopped it, all right. Wait, whoa. This is Captain Haley, his brother-in-law here. So it's his wife's husband just come out and just literally killed a police officer, the sheriff's deputy. Why would he grab a spear? <sighs> was Spears the one that no. said? Oh, Spears the one that said that he was lying. Then he was like, I ain't no liar. Don't you make me out to be a liar? Hinkle, however, however, would not let go. He wouldn't. Toller and Gosley moved quickly towards the struggle. Before they could reach the men, Spear wrestled free, pulled his pistol, and shot Hinkle in the throat. Oh, no. You I mean, want to slice him in his throat? We're going to shoot you in the throat. throat. He didn't slice his throat good enough, apparently. Right. Should have been dead. Right. As Hinkle staggered backward, wounded, Coffee Williams shot him in the chest one time. Oh, no. Gosley was then shot by Johnny. Oh, dude. Whoa. Johnny Williams. Johnny Williams took his chance and was like, Gosley, here we go. Well, he heard the stuff that was happening inside, and he was like, oh, instantly. He was like, no. Well, they were clearly after Gosley in the first place, so now his, Johnny's right. like, here's my chance, Daddy. Right. And now he shoots him. Johnny's standing outside the bar, shoots Gosley. Williams shot him twice, once in the right knee and once in the groin. Why, why would you do that? Jeez, Gosley returned fire, shooting Johnny Williams in the head, but not killing him instantly. Oh. Coffee Williams then shot Gosley, killing him. Oh. Damn, Gosley, you're done, bud. Wow. That's crazy. So these guys are just about ready to walk in, and then they hear gunfire. Gunfire, and then Gosley runs in. Johnny Williams is like, oh, uh-uh. Gosley runs in to see what the hell's going on here, and then he gets shot out of nowhere by Johnny Williams. And then Coffee Williams finishes him off. Wow. Wow. Captain that's Hinkle. a good shot by, uh, that's a damn good shooting by Gosley. Gosley after he got shot in the leg and the nuts. Right, to get him in the head. And then gets him in the head, dude. Wow. wow. Captain Haley had fled when the first shots were fired. 
leaving Chief Toller outgunned and alone. Which some captain this guy is. Right. Toller began shooting at Coffee Williams, who ran into the street and took refuge behind a freight wagon. Ed Spear, still bleeding badly, began shooting this at Toller. Dude, uh, his throat is sliced. He's like this, holding right. his throat probably, just shooting. Right. He's shooting at Toller, as did Coffee. Toller returned fire toward both, hitting Spear in the shoulder. Toller then moved uh, to get a better position on Coffee. They exchanged shots. Toller was hit twice. Murdering him. Dang, the sheriffs are uh, dominating this this uh, gunfight here. Yeah. Well, one bullet was fired from Coffee Williams, hitting Toller in the head, oh, no. and one bullet was fired by Spear, hitting Toller in the chest. Either shot would have been fatal. Wow. So we don't know who, who, who killed him. Then. Most likely the headshot. When Toller went down, the shooting stopped. I would just hope so. There's nobody else left. Right. Toller, Gosley, and Hinkle lay dead, wow. and Johnny Williams lay dying. Mm. By sta- Johnny, yeah, and um. Spear, he's yeah, dying spear. too. He's got throat slash. Bystander Alan Carter had been wounded by a stray bullet. Spear was bleeding badly, but would survive. Wow! So that guy probably Hinkle probably reached across, just did like a definitely, obviously not enough to go not through enough, the, the right? jugular or anything like that. Uh, so yeah, he's got a dull knife. And, yeah, exactly. Oh, that's terrible. He was bleeding badly, but would survive. However, however, the shooting was not over. What? There's oh, no one left oh, to shoot. There's well, there is. Wow. Well, just then, Hot Springs Detective Jim Hart was notified by concerned citizens and responded to the shootout. He's like, I'm here to respond to the shootout. (laughs) Jim Hart, Detective Detective Jim Hart. Sheriff Williams had arrived by that time, found his son dying, and received a full report of what had happened from his brother, Coffee. Seeing Hart, Sheriff Williams walked over to him and said, here's another of those sons of bitches. Oh, jeez. Oh, man. Williams didn't point his pistol and shot Hart point blank in the (laughs) face. Whoa. Deputy Will Watt, nephew to Sheriff Williams, leaned over the sheriff and fired two more bullets to Hart's already dead body. By this time, Chief uh, Toller's wife had arrived. Oh, no. Dude, what is happening here? Here's another one of these sons of bitches, he said, and shot him right in the face. Wow. wow. Well, his wife comes, Sheriff Toller does. Instead of crying, she simply glared at Sheriff Williams, who told her, yes, we got Toller, and I wish we had you where he is now. Oh, Whoa. geez. Toller's wife immediately left, retrieved a gun from her house, and returned with the intent to shoot Sheriff Williams. Uh-oh. However, However, he had left a scene. Well, by 9.30 p.m., Johnny Williams died, Oh, bringing the total to five killed and two wounded. Wow. Dang, dude. Jeez, oh, Pete. This dude was savage. Even telling, I wish, I wish it was you here too, wow. next to your husband, right, Mrs. Mrs. Toller. Hot Springs. Jeez, dude. Ooh. Constable Sam Tate and his deputy Jack Archer removed the bodies, taking them to Gross Funeral Home. Mayor Gordon called an emergency meeting and replaced Chief Toller with L.D. Belding. And you think L.D. Belding is like, I don't want to be, no, I don't want to be any part of this uh, law enforcement that's happening in Hot Springs right now. Uh, well, at this point, whoa! At this point, Mayor Gordon and now new police chief Belden selected 150 men to carry out armed patrol of the city. But tourists began leaving in large numbers. Well, what do you think? Obviously, you got you got two. You got the people that are supposed to protect the city killing each other. Right. I don't think. Uh, and now you got 150 uh, deputized people walking right. around the streets, armed like it was like uh, martial right. law, or in the right. in the hot springs now, right? Newspaper reporters from the Arkansas Democrat and the Arkansas Gazette converged on the town. I'm willing to bet that these two are competing and uh, oh, no. one's right. not a Democrat. Right. 
Well, the following day, an inquest was held with Governor Daniel Webster Jones present. Sheriff Bob Williams, Ed Spear, Will Watt, and Coffee Williams were charged with moida. Oh. All four were arrested but made bail. Oh, of course. Mm. Well, we had some trials that followed. Spear and Coffee Williams were found to have acted in self-defense. Spear, yes. I don't know about Coffee Williams. He yeah. straight up just shot right. Hinkle. There's no reason. There's no threat to him. The trials of Bob Williams and Will Watt ended in a hung jury. Based on conflicting testimony from witnesses, Jim Hart's wife, who was blind, later filed a $20,000 lawsuit against Bob Williams, but lost. How does that make sense? Right. Why would Jim Hart's... Bob Williams straight up went to Hart and shot him in the face after he just walked up on the scene. He was like, hey, there's another one of them. Shoot him in the face. Yeah, but nobody's seen that. Everybody's seen it. Think nobody was watching? Well, there ain't gonna be no witnesses. Oh my gosh. Right. Conflicting testimony from witnesses. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, jeez. The tensions dude. between the Hot Springs Police Department and the Garland County Sheriff's Office continued well into the early 20th century over the affair. Oh my So you got God. the uh, Hot Springs Police Department and the, the county. So you got the city and the county. Mm. You'd think the county would win. Well, yeah. they did, clearly, because none of the uh, sheriffs or the deputies got uh, well, nothing happened to them. Well, it continued until the 20th century. Yeah, just like tensions. Mm, doesn't, say, doesn't say conflicts. Well, maybe beat well, ups. Beat ups. <laughs> no more murdering. Just beat each other up. As we said, uh, Frank Flynn was forced out of the town following the shootout by a citizens commission formed by Mayor Gordon. Right. Legal gammon did not go away, and we know what happened. Uh, yep. Corruption, both law enforcement agency remained. Right. Wow, dude, that might be one of the best shootout things we've done. That's more crazy than the OK. Besides, no, that's, that's more. Same. No, that's more crazy than OK Corral. The OK Corral didn't have somebody just walk up and shoot somebody in the face right. or get his throat slit and then oh, come back with man. a shot to the neck. I mean, holy hell, there was a lot going on in there in that um, however amount of time that took place. Yeah. Wow. Was, I'd like to see a reenactment of that. Well, moving on. 1920s, the city was filled with hotel rooms, mm. saloons, mm. and back alleys okay. that included casino-type gaming of all kinds. All kinds. Anything you can think of. Mm-hmm. If it's a casino, casino-type? Casino? Casino, yes. casino. Yes, the casino. <laughs> Dude, that's... Maybe that's, it was called casino. Somebody has <laughs> somebody has an, uh, named a casino that? Casino. The casino, casino. The casino, casino. The casino, casino. Right. Right. We should. <laughs> Copyright. <laughs> it's not even You heard it here first, what boys. John Wingland. I say it's copyrighted, so it's copyrighted. Right. It's copyrighted. Well, it's pending. <laughs> and it's not. It's not at all. That would be a patent anyways. Penny patent? Patent pending. Right. Anyway. <laughs> the Cantino Casino. The Cantino Casino. The Casino. The Cantino Casino. The Cantino Casino. Anyhow. Uh, 1926, Leo McLaughlin was elected mayor and fulfilled the campaign promise to run Hot Springs as an open town. Ooh, what does that mean? Yeah, well, it's in- it included legal gambling. Okay. Overlooked hotels that advertise the availability of whores <laughs> and off-track boot. What? And off-track booking was available for virtually any horse race in North America. Well, good for them. Oh, so it's like, we know what we got here. Look at this guy. He's bringing in the gambling. He's, He's like, I... I know what the money brings, right. dude. As long as we can keep it uh, civil. Mm-hmm. Well, as Mayor McLaughlin reigned as the undisputed boss of Garland County politics for the next 20 years, however, however, <laughs> McLaughlin took it to a new level using voter fraud and other unlawful tactics to drive his political machine. Hey. During his tenure, local law enforcement was cr- controlled by a political machine and a Obviously. former sheriff 
who attempted to have the state's anti-gambling laws enforced and to secure honest elections, but was murdered in 1937. Mm, 1937. No one was ever charged with this killing. So we're kind of quiet from uh, 20s and the 30s on. We finally get our, oh, here we go here. Between 1927 and 1967, Hot Springs operated the largest illegal gambling racket in the country. In the country. In in the 1930s, over a million baths a year were given at the Hot Springs, and it becomes America's first resort. It's a resort town now, boys. Right. During McLaughlin's time in office, many underworld characters frequented hot springs, spas, and gambling became one of the town's most popular forms of entertainment. Nice. Some of these infamous names included Owen Vincent, Oni Madden, Bugs Moran, Charles Lucky Luciano, and Al Capone himself. Good for all these guys. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I can't believe they're the only ones that went down there. Well, they're not. Right. A few of their favorite hangouts were the Southern Club, which now houses Josephine <laughs> uh, Tussaud. Is that her name? Tussaud. Uh, Wax Museum. Uh, the Ohio Club, now considered to be the oldest bar in Arkansas. All right. The Arlington Hotel, which still entertains guests. Okay. And the Oaklawn Racetrack, which is still open today. Oh, look at these guys still getting there, huh? Right. Well, you Al- got a picture of your Al Capone <laughs> holding a cigar in his mouth. Al Capone first came to Hot Springs in the early 1920s during the Prohibition era, and he and his boss, Johnny Torrio, stayed hey. at the Majestic Hotel. Johnny Torrio. During this time, Capone and his men came to town to strike deals with many moonshiners in the area. Soon, he purchased an underperforming dairy outside of town and turned it into his own moonshine distillery. Okay. Was this in his story? Yeah, it could have been. Hmm. Don't sound familiar. Mimicking the water products of Mountain Valley Spring Water Company, which had been distributing water from Hot Springs since 1871. El Capone placed his moonshine in clear glass bottles and called his product Mountain Valley Water. Mountain Valley Water. Dang. And this Mountain Valley Spring Water didn't have an issue with that? (laughs) Right. He would then smuggle his bootleg liquor into tanker rail card roads. What? <laughs> what? 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 These, are, these are train tracks. Look at this here uh, rail rail car road. <laughs> no, <laughs> you stupid brain. Read the words right. I just I just like mix and match. Well, 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 Clem. Well, you hear they're bringing a they're building a new rail car road down there down yonder. <laughs> rail car road. <laughs> you would then smoke it with bootleg liquor into Tinker Railroad cars. It's <laughs> all right. Somehow, man. Uh, what are you going to do? When the new Arlington Hotel opened its doors on New Year's Day, 1925, Capone often rented the entire fourth floor of the hotel for himself and his entourage. Entourage. L. Whoa. Is that the first word of entourage that we've seen in our whole, all of our series? I doubt it. L, along with his brother Ralph, were often known to frequent hot springs where they enjoyed the horse races at Oaklawn and uh, golf regularly and joined the bathhouse and partook the many gambling facilities that were in the area. I mean... It was a hot spot. Of course they did. It was a hot spot and like a free zone for gangsters and everybody. The police, the politicians were all in on it. Right. El Capone was often uh, had as many as 40 men occupying him, all of whom were known to be violent thugs in Chicago. Well, obviously, you're just going to have 40 people that are not going to do anything when he needs it. This this dude's walking around with a 40-man army every time. Isn't that crazy? Hmm. No, because there's generals that walk around with million men armies. They ain't walking around them down the streets. A million people <laughs> ain't following true. them. <laughs> That's true. But he does it, like, guarantee his entourage. is <laughs> 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 at least 15 deep. All of who are more valuable than these 40 men. It's true. You know? I don't. 
don't know if that has to do with anything. <laughs> but <laughs> While Capone was in the spot city, they were peaceful, polite, friendly, and appreciated as generous tippers. Mm-hmm. I mean, these guys were just great. Well, of course they were. And this was a, a safe was space. Saying, I was saying, of course, why would they be over there causing trouble? This is their resort. Right. They're going here on vacation. Right. I mean, come on, you get, these guys ain't monsters. No. <laughs> By 1929, Al Capone was arrested several times. Yep. And finally, you know where you guys went. He went. By the end of this release in 1939, mm-hmm. he was physically and mentally ill. Sure was. Syphilis. All right, they just let him out. He died in Florida in 1947. And he did. Today, yep. Suite 443 in the Arlington Hotel still bears his name. It's the Al Capone suite. You know how much that freaking sells out probably all the time? Right. Well, and here we're looking at it, Harlington Hotel, <laughs> Hot Springs, Arkansas. <laughs> That's good, the hotel. It's nice. Still it's there today? Stuff. Yeah. Well, obviously, it still bears his name, Suite 443. And it's going to remove that room itself and yeah. put it in a museum. Sure they did. One of the most notorious of the many mobsters that spent time in Hot Springs was Oni the Killer Madden. Well, did we do one on we him? We will not, but we will now. After serving a year in Sing Sing prison for parole violations. Whoa, he was in China? No, that's in like New Jersey or something. <laughs> Why? Uh, uh, Madden was released in 1933 and began to visit Hot Springs, seeking a slower lifestyle than what he had lived in the old in the big city. But still get away with right. right. Well, by that time, Madden was in his 40s and in in, in chronic ill health because of old bullet wounds. Wow, this dude had lead poisoning. Mm, yeah, I bet. Well, not lead poisoning, right. but uh, well, you know, you know, just bullets that took out a liver or a spleen or something. You know, right, bro. Well, he th- <laughs> while he was there. He met a gift shop clerk, Agnes. Agnes, Dandy. what a very thirties name that is. Oh, Agnes, and I bet she was good looking. Mm. The daughter of a local postmaster. He married her in November nineteen thirty five and settled down in Hot Springs for the rest of his life. Good for him. Have made a fortune in New York City in illegal liquor revenue during the Prohibition era. Why did we not cover this guy? <laughs> and as the owner of Stork Club and the Cotton Club, Madden could have retired, but instead. He applied his organizational skills to the large and soon-to-be larger illegal gambling operations of Hot Springs. Why not? He's a man behind the scenes, really. Right. He did basically retire. That's what he's going to do. All right, we got a picture here of old Madden. <laughs> Well-respected, well-liked, and generous to the community, Madden settled into Hot Springs very Aren't they all? easily. They Aren't they all? always are. Before long, many of his old acquaintances from New York began to visit him, including Meyer Lansky, oh, Lansky. Lucky Luciano, Bugsy Did you watch Siegel, that movie, Lansky? Dutch Schultz, and even his Sing Sing warden, Louis Laws. Sing what? Sing. The warden at the prison came to visit him. Nice. Word soon spread that Hot Springs was the perfect hideout for criminals running from police investigations. Uh, well, if word spreading, it's not such a great hideout after all, is it? Right. Madden was reputed. Madden was reputed to have owned an interest in the Southern Club, as well as becoming an overlord of the city's illicit gambling activities. Right. Madden spent the rest of his life in Hot Springs until he died of emphysema, April nineteen sixty-five. And was buried in Greenwood Cemetery. Well, this dude does a lot of stuff in the 30s, apparently, with the, with the right. hot springs gambling and stuff like that. Yeah. So maybe we will do an episode on him. Well, Technically, I have to. still 30s, right? Right. I'll say so. Right. Well, well on April... Picture here of Lucky Luciano smoking a cigarette. On April 1st, 1936, when Charles Lucky Luciano was visiting, he was not so lucky as he was detained by the Hot Springs Police Department on orders from Thomas Dewey, who was the New York State Attorney General. Well, as he was walking along federal property along Bathhouse Row with none other than Hot Springs Chief of Detectives Herbert Dutch Akers, he was Why arrested. He? Oh. Uh, however, a, however, however, a local judge released Luciano after a $5,000 bond was paid. Okay. 
It's a lot of money back He's then. walking down the street with the chief of detectives, right. Ackers. And was arrested. And was arrested because the old attorney general uh, forced the hot, hot Springs Police Department and said, you better do it. Wow. You don't want to be a laughingstock. And in rage, Dewey contacted the Arkansas governor and state attorney, demanding action. But Hot Springs officials were reluctant to begin extradition hearings. They're like, eh, I don't know about that. A new fugitive warrant was issued on the 3rd of April. 20 state troopers were sent to collect Luciano and move him to Little Rock, Arkansas. Okay. Arkansas. <laughs> Arkansas. Arkansas. Uh, though a $50,000 bribe was made to make sure the extradition was denied. Okay, I'd probably deny it too in that day for 50000 Right. The authorities couldn't be bought, and within days, Luciano was returned to Arkansas to New York. To stand trial. Oh, they didn't. All right. Though a fifty thousand dollar bribe was made. Right. They didn't. They they couldn't be bought. He ain't buying me. No, these guys got a mission. Mm-hmm. They're making more than that back in New York anyway, probably. Ah, Luciano was returned from Arkansas to New York to stand trial for running a prostitution racketeering that, that's program. It? He spent the next ten years in Danamora Prison before uh, being released in nineteen forty six. So he got released. He did Good for him. He was uh, then deported back to Italy, where he spent the rest of his life. And he died in a uh, right of a heart attack in an airport. Right. Mm. Well, the guy that we just did pretty much an episode on last week, Elvin Creepy Carpus, who was America's last official public enemy number one, Creepy. often made Hot Springs his hideout. Nice. Although most well known for committing crimes to the Midwest, the Barker Carpus gang's first murder occurred in Pocahontas, Arkansas in 1931, and the gang members later holed up in Hot Springs. We by, knew that. By 1935, most of the gang members had been killed or imprisoned, but Elvin Carpus was still on the run. Nice. For two kidnappings, they are, they're wanting this guy by now. I mean, this guy, if you didn't listen to the episode, which you need to. Which you should, yeah. He just moved up the ladder of stealing things. He did, and he stole. And... <laughs> he stole people. <laughs> he was a people thief. <laughs> 1935. How, how come they don't call him that? Kidnappers. Right. Kidnapping. There's no kid involved. Right. It's a people thief. All right. People burglary. Napping. When you can't call it napping either. That's our trademark. <laughs> right. <laughs> Napped. You just named that. Well, 1935, month of June. Carpets head to Hot Springs month again. Month of June. Taking refuge. I'm going to be. Right. What you, the pastor from uh, <laughs> Coming to America? Right. Carpets head to Hot Springs again. Taking refuge at the Hattery Hotel, managed by Grace Goldstein. She and Carpet soon developed a romantic relationship oh, and are oh. often referenced as having a common law marriage. Yeah, we know. Right. Goldstein also managed a brothel <laughs> above the hattery. Yes. And the joint was generally overlooked <laughs> by the corrupt Hot Springs police. Uh, of course. Later, Carpus, along with uh, one of his accomplices, Fred Hunter, stayed at Lake Catherine and Lake Hamilton nearby before renting a house between Malvern and Hot Springs. What's that matter? Uh, just letting you know. He's right there, man. He's in the area. Mm-hmm. Public enemy guy, you know? He ain't going On nowhere. March 30th, 1936, the FBI raided the house only to find that the two had already fled to New Orleans. All right. Both were later apprehended by FBI agents in July. Carpus pleaded guilty we to kidnap and was sent to Alcatraz. Yep. He served 33 years, released in 1968. In 1979, he died from an overdose of sleeping pills while Whoa. living in Spain. How did you do that? Right. Although some of these criminals would get their just due Quote, and never unquote. again visit Hot Springs, the city continued to be a haven for criminals looking to hide. Bugsy Siegel, Jimmy Blue Eyes. Hey, there's Jimmy Blue Eyes. Frankie Costello. Hey, uh, Frankie Costello. Would continue to visit Hot Springs well into the 1960s. Into the 60s, which you guys will, I mean, you'll hear. You'll hear it. Right. Some historians even contend that Bugsy Siegel's vision for the Flamingo Hotel in Vegas, Nevada, 
came from his many visits to the casinos of Hot Springs. I'm right. sure it did. Right. Albert Anastasia, seeking business advice from Owen Madden, was in Hot Springs just days before he was gunned down at the Park Sheridan Hotel in New York. Spoiler mm. Meyer Lansky would regularly bring his son Buddy for treatment of cerebral palsy at Hot Springs Levi Hospital. Right. Okay. But gangster activity, as well as other illegal activities in Hot Springs, came to an end. Done. In the 1960s, mm-hmm. due to a federal crackdown on what the government called the site of the largest illegal gambling operation in the United States of America. Oh, geez. Well, in 1967, two Republican office holders, Governor Winthrop Rockefeller, I am, of course, and Circuit Judge Henry M. Mm. Britt. Rockefeller. Right. They, <laughs> they begin to enforce the existing state laws and eliminate the gambling laws that had been made, made legal in Hot Springs. The governor sent in a company of state troopers to shutter the casinos and burn their gaming equipment. Oh, my goodness. Afterward, the only legal form of gambling was at Oaklawn Park, and a uh, which was a thoroughbred horse racing track south of downtown Hot Springs. And, 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 has and guess remained, who was uh, there every race? The two Republican officers, <laughs> Governor Winthrop Rockefeller and Circuit Judge Henry M. Right, Britt. They probably, they probably own stakes in the, in the race park. Um, that's your Hot Springs, Arkansas. History, as you can see, many gangsters, many more than what was even named in here. We'll be back next week. I'm not really sure who we got left in the 30s, but we there's definitely uh, there's a shitload. A few more people from the 30s that we got to do still before moving to the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s, 2020s, and we'll even do future gangs. <laughs> called the you guys wouldn't believe what kind of gangs are in the future. <laughs> called the <laughs> Joe Biden administration. Oh. oh no, he didn't. Uh, that one. We're gonna end this episode of Outlaws and Gunslingers. If you guys like talking about politics, for instance, music, sports, movies, two people yelling at each other, two people yelling at each other, conspiracy theories, whatever, whatever, anything and everything. It's the Bang and Dang Show. Wherever you get your podcast, go look us up. And if you guys are wrestling fans, we've got and them. Apparently, dang is a, a commonly used word in the South. And we have the, uh, the uh, <laughs> if you guys are fans of wrestling, we have the Monday Night Watch Along podcast where we watch each and every main event from. Each and every main event. Their very first Nitro. Extracurricular activity, which is uh, interviews or segments, are also counted. They are, but. From Along very, with crowd activity. From the very first Nitro, we went and watched the main events of both shows, Raw and Nitro, and we are up to 100, and we just filmed 100, or filmed, we just recorded Same thing. the week, 106 weeks, 106 weeks we've been doing this, every single week from the inception Ridiculous, of Nitro up until guys. now. Ridiculous, guys. And um, Nitro Sounds- has a huge, huge, huge lead in our rankings, which we rank 1 out of 10 of crowd one out of ten of match, and one out of ten of extracurricular activity. Like we Dang still got said. four more years. We got four more years. <laughs> essentially, like, four more years. Literally, yeah, four more years of doing this. Oh no, because early two thousand one was when WWE ends. So it's like yeah. March. Yeah, unless so. we start doing like three shows a week, we got four more years. Oh yeah, for sure, one hundred percent. Yeah, so that's gonna be around forever. Monday night, watch along wherever you get your forever. podcast. Oh, forever. <laughs> four <laughs> years is four forever. For four years. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back next week. Outlaws and gunslingers of Mother Michigan. Bang, bang.